This is the Unrationed Podcast. My name is Evan. I'm Josh. I'm Tony. And today we're going to talk about King Energy. We don't really plan our conversations ahead of time. We're not looking at any notes on uh, what to talk about, but we are reading a book together. Uh, by reading together, I mean we're all reading it separately at the same time and space. Uh, that book is King Warrior magician lover i forget the author's names do either of you guys remember the author's names or have that in front of you robert moore is the one who comes to mind okay uh that link will be in the show notes and a part of that book is kind of running through these archetypes of uh masculinity Uh, maybe i would preface there by saying a mature or healthy man psychology uh our conversation on boy versus man psychology in episode six was kind of an intro to what's talked about in that book as well. So if any of this intrigues you, we recommend that book. Uh, Let's start off today with our wild moments and then dive into some King Energy. Josh, what's your wild moment? So my sister's best friend from growing up um, and her boyfriend were in town this weekend and we went out to a hike um, on Pikes Peak. Um, We didn't go up like super high, but I actually thought of you, Evan, while we were hiking because it started like like just this really like deep thundering and kind of we didn't see any lightning, but it was really cool, like this neat cloud coverage. And it started raining on us. And we're just kind of like, you know, we bailed on the hike because we don't want to be out in the mountains with the lightning, you know, and all that stuff. But um, it was cool just being in the woods, having rain fall on you, not be super urgent or rushed to get out of there. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was thinking about your wild moment the other day. Um, But yeah, so that was it. It was nice to be in the rain and kind of a thunderstorm uh, while in the woods. Hmm. Tony, what you got? This week, I have a wild book that I was listening to on Audible. Uh, I messaged you gents about this, but um, I had never really engaged with any of Rich Roll's stuff until last week. Um, I posted uh, something on, on LinkedIn after I discovered him saying, basically, this guy's story is my story, where he's a recovering alcoholic, a recovering lawyer. Uh, somebody who covers long distances, um, but he's like smarter and better uh, than I am at everything. And I blew through this book very quickly and it rekindled my love of distance running. I think or there was back in, I think 2010 or 2011, I first ran across Born to Run. And that book by Christopher totally messed me up where like that was why I started going out into the woods and covering a lot of ground. Um, And that was also right after I got sober. Uh, And those two things tracked very closely um, and have led to a a lot of the adventures Josh and I have had together. It's related to what we're doing in Colorado next week and running across this book, finding ultra um, it, it gave me that same sort of primal 
um, priming that it's just like, Ooh, Oh, let's go. Um, I think it may also make me a vegan eventually, which that's, I'm, I'm not thrilled about that part, but it's a pretty compelling argument as I'm like about to turn 40 and I'm saying, I want to be in the best shape of my life in my forties and knowing that the most glaring weakness I have, <laughs> the, the biggest challenge <laughs> I have there is dietary, um, that the, the like plant-based approach that I, that my, my good man, Josh here takes, um, is I, it's just a piece of the puzzle for me. So I was less, less enthused about that part, really jacked up about the, <laughs> the like distance stuff. So I feel like you would dig the documentary game changer on Netflix. Have you seen it? No, somebody else recommended that to me yesterday. So it's, I guess triangulation it's now. Yeah. Now you have to. Yep. My That's wild awesome. moment was getting scared by a butterfly on my run the week that I was <laughs> wanting to touch a wild animal. <laughs> so I did not touch a wild animal this this week. Uh, and uh, no, I don't. I don't think I did. I think maybe an insect landed on me, which which could be considered like I guess a, a brush with a wild animal. But yeah, it it's an odd thing. It, it felt like a primal reaction. Like I wasn't actually scared of a butterfly, but my peripheral <laughs> reaction to a butterfly being somewhere where I wasn't expecting turning a corner on a run made me jump <laughs> to the point where I was embarrassed and looked around to see if anybody saw me, which I don't think they did. If they did they think less of me for sure. Uh, and uh, so that also felt very primal and embarrassing the week that I wanted to touch a wild animal. I was like, given this opportunity to touch a butterfly maybe. And instead I jumped as if it was going to harm me in some way. So uh, your wild moment from episode six is about being scared of the chicken. Uh, you're like, just a note, you're, you're developing to work a, on my warrior energy. A pattern of being scared of barnyard animals. For <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I was don't know trying... what to do with that. <laughs> but, but you're putting it out there. You're, yeah. you're making right. progress on it. So yeah. yeah, it's part of the process, right? Sure. Um, um, we, I was trying to get a chipmunk who lives next to our porch to climb up on me, like offering the little guy uh, cashew. Yeah, I didn't do it, but he was eating seeds like nine inches from my hand. There so you I go. Didn't, I didn't touch him, but then my son who hunts snails brought a snail and put the snail on my arm. Does that count? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Because hunting a snail, uh, I mean, that in and of itself would would be exactly the type of thing that I was thinking uh, we would do this week to touch a wild animal. That definitely counts. What was the experience like? Do you have any, did you learn anything? Is there anything insightful 
from trying to feed the chipmunk? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Josh, did you try to touch a wild animal? You know what? I week? did. I didn't try to touch a wild animal. I was did you traveling. Think about my... it at all? No, I actually okay. didn't. I was traveling and um, I completely spaced on it. Yeah. Well, I did most of the time until a, a butterfly reminded me. Uh, so there's not an easy thing to remember. No. Which I still think there's something there. There's like, there's something to that touching a wild animal that I don't quite have the ability to put words around yet. So I I imagine I'll I'll continue to bring this up, hopefully in a way that is more constructive uh, or helpful or insightful than I have thus far. So maybe it'll be because I actually do the thing and have something to share. But anyways. This has just popped in my head, but we had a client from maybe four years back and we were doing this like leadership facilitation <laughs> and somehow we like got into like stories um, or like different things about us. And this guy shared that, that he has like a compulsion to charge wild animals. If he sees a wild animal, like just like he saw a mountain lion one time and he just started charging it and, you know, yelling at it and everything just to, like pony up and like challenge this thing. And I was like, that is pretty cool but also relatively reckless um but yeah that just popped into my mind that some people enjoy trying to touch wild animals and also challenging them in their own territory so yeah which we do not recommend no uh, that's not but, yeah that's a good point and i <laughs> am very curious like i just biologically i'm sure there's something that is awakening within him that his ancestors had to tap like it, it's very intriguing to think about that for me mm-hmm. and maybe that's what i'm i'm trying to get at is the the space time we're occupying it's fairly new that we don't have as many interactions like that yeah. and and that I, i'm trying to find meaning there or, or trying to learn something from that but that, that I, I i can't quite articulate uh, yeah. King energy. I spent 10 minutes cleaning up my desk, taking out the trash in my office before recording this podcast because mm. I was going to bring up this topic, King energy. My desk has been in chaos or disorder for at least a month, probably a little longer. And cleaning it up, I found a check to the Georgia Department of Revenue that I never mailed off. It was stamped and addressed and sealed. And so that is now in my mailbox with the flag up. I can see around my desk and I feel at peace sitting in front of my computer in a way that I have not in over a month. To me, that is a form of king energy. Where the king is, there is order is the simplest way I know how to say that. As you guys have read through King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, what are your thoughts on King Energy? I have two thoughts while you were talking. 
it's funny that you cleaned up your desk this morning. So <clears throat> I moved my office down in the basement uh, over the weekend, partly because my office was up on our, our top floor and we're having our third kiddo. And so the kiddo's nursery is now going to be in my previous office. So now I'm down in the basement. However, I spent time like getting my workspace ordered, tidy, all that good stuff. So right before, you know, I hopped on this call, I had like a little sandwich baggie. I had like these, I don't know, peanut butter pretzels that were in it yesterday that I was eating. And then I had a, uh, a plane ticket on the ground and I walked down. I was like, come on, man, clean your crap up. Like, you know, so it's funny. Like I did this like little tidy beforehand. I was like, you just got down here. You don't need to leave wrappers and all that, that stuff. So it's funny that you, uh, you know, did, did somewhat of the same thing. The other thing that I was thinking about is when my wife listens to this, she's going to hear you say that you had that stamped and like ready to mail. And she's going to be like, I just wish Josh would put it in the envelope and actually put a stamp on. <laughs> so you took it two steps further than I actually would. I, it would just be like a piece of mail that I, is unopened. And all of a sudden, Laura's going to open it and be like, are you going to take care of this? Because it's it's your thing to take care of. And then she'll she's very gracious and kind to me. Um, so those are the two things that popped to mind uh, or popped in my mind while you were talking. Um, I have a couple other thoughts, but I'll let Tony share. Seville is definitely in the same boat as Laura on that, Josh. It's just like, why don't you just do the thing? Actually, <laughs> make it make it that far. Um, yeah. So in the book, they they talk about the the king having two elements, right? The first being order, and the second being generativity or fertility. Like the, it, it's a, a place where things can grow right, as a result of having the order. Um, and listening to you gents talk, what I'm finding in myself, um, it, when since we moved up to Canada last year, it it is an interesting feeling out of the out of the four archetypes, and I don't maybe we'll end up taking these in order just four episodes in a row um this is the one that i immediately relate to the least i think um and i've, I've seen things suggesting that it's sort of the overarching archetype um or like the the ultimate uh, of the progression is that right yeah they it the king a healthy king embodies the warrior, magician, and the lover, but right. a, a, a magician doesn't necessarily embody the king. So it, I, I do think there's some sort of hierarchical structure of these archetypes where the king is the the pinnacle or uh, the the uh, holy of holies, the highest of the highs uh, of these archetypes. Yeah, and since moving up here and you. Know, getting a little bit of land and you, so we've got 18 acres and we've got this big yard and you know, like you know, our family's growing and um, it's, it's been another level of, of maybe starting to feel that, uh, that archetype, but then at the same time running into some issues where, so I got out of law to join Josh at Mission Matters. So I had a huge professional change. 
And then I had a number of what have felt like really big sort of life admin challenges related to emigrating, like dealing with the immigration system, tax stuff, like importing the car, like all this sort of stuff. And um, I think those two things, the professional and the, the move, both like revealed to me the um, like my ADHD brain, which I've never reckoned with. Uh, but this year I've had to really try to understand that and the implications of being ADHD on how I do everything um, or fail to do so many things. Um, and, and it's led me to start trying to create order not by my doing as much, but by my getting much better at, at building support systems around me, which was the point I was trying to get at where, and it's not necessarily a thing of like being on top, you know, the king is like the, the ruler of, of the domain, right? But like both of you gentlemen are part of my support system, right? And, and in a way that that is helping me embrace you, that king energy of like like you you both help me create order in w things i'm doing that then allow me to focus on things that are generative and things that that help with growth what you're um, saying reminds me of chess where the king the king's uh, options the king's movements are are fairly limited uh in the scope of of the pieces but they're the, the king is surrounded and protected by uh, uh, advocates whose capabilities are far greater than the king, but with no king present, they're uh, useless. The game's over <laughs> without that energy. And... Uh, something else that's coming to mind as you talk about this is a, a disidentification with the king. I don't know if, if, if you've gotten to this, this section, but it seems to be the thing that stands out the most to me, which is we're not to identify with the king. We are to, uh, we're not to identify as the king. We are to carry the king's energy. So a, a, a word picture or analogy I, I would use for this, I got from this guy named Duncan Trussell. I was listening to a podcast of his yesterday. He's a comedian. He's very funny uh, and also somewhat philosophical. And he was saying, you know, a photon leaving the sun does not, uh, it is not the sun itself, but it carries sun-like qualities wherever it's traveling and i think that's that's the king so we are not the kings uh there, there's a distortion when we identify as the kings but we carry a king-like energy or we can carry a king-like energy it, is that from that is source. that is that different than the other three then in in the way of we can more directly identify with the other three archetypes than we can with with the king is what you're saying makes perfect sense does it does it extend all four do you think or 
So I, I think the way archetypes work, uh, just take a step back from those four just in general and go to archetypal structure or, or how to think about relating to them is they are ideals uh, that can never actually be attained. So that they are something to move towards. Uh, but mathematically, I think you could think of it as an asymptote. You can you can ever get closer to the ideal, but you can never actually fully embody the ideal. So archetypes are pictures uh, and mirrors at the same time of where we're going and then where we actually are. So uh, a mirror also means that you're always looking to something and that it's it's out in front of you, so eternally out in front of you. So I, I, I do think that's the same with all of them. Whenever we identify as the archetype, there's a distortion that occurs. Uh, if we think that we are ourselves the archetype that we're moving towards. That makes sense. Did I get us off track? No, I learned, I learned quite a bit. <laughs> like I feel like <laughs> the way that you articulated that was fantastic. Um, and it just made a lot of sense to me while you were speaking. Um, it made me think of, uh, the story from when I was first out of college, my first job, um, or my first job out of college, you know, I worked there for a few years and I, I admired the CEO. Like, I just thought he was a amazing leader, just like embody that King energy. And I would show up to work early. I, I like getting up early and he would, his car would always be the first one in the parking lot. And I just, I admired that so much. And so one week I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to beat him. Right. This is, this is that boy psychology, like thinking that I'm going to show up before the King does or something. And it took me, so every morning I would like get there. I think the first morning I got there at like seven and his car was there and I moved it up 15 minutes, Tuesday, 6.45, Wednesday, 6.30. I'm like, my gosh, when does this guy get here? So I'm like, I'm all in. I'm going at like 5.45 or something on Thursday morning. I ended up beating him in, but I had a sense of like pride about that. I showed up before the King did, but like in retrospect, looking at that, I'm like, that is totally that immature, like, like Prince energy, trying to be something that I'm not. Um, but anyways, it's, it's fascinating to like, look at that now in the form of archetypal energy. Um, and like, what did that mean? What was I trying to show or prove? No one else was, else was in the parking lot. Um, but I had some sense of pride about it or accomplishment, which is really interesting. I also think of the movie Lion King, just because it's been on uh fairly often right now which is I've, i'm really happy that this one's on and in lion king you have mufasa the king you know there is order in the kingdom with mufasa at the helm and i i one of the best talks on king energy i think is mufasa talking to simba about one day being the ruler of the kingdom and protecting the animals and Simba's like well wait don't we kill the animals and he's like listen son it's not about killing the animals it's about uh, this circle of life and we will eat the animals but one day we will die and we will become the land and the animals will eat us and this like this beautiful picture uh, of what order in a kingdom looks like and 
then Mufasa dies. So there is there is no king. There's a distorted king who wanted to show up to the office before the king now in charge, right? Like that energy of I'm, I'm going to show up to the office before the king does. Like that person is now, that energy is now leading the kingdom. Simba's away, who is the rightful heir to the throne. Uh, and it's just like complete chaos there's no food the 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 land is barren uh i think tony you kind of mentioned these two aspects and they nail them in this movie the land is barren there it's not fertile there's no creation happening and it's complete chaos no order at all in the kingdom simba returns uh to fight scar this warrior energy take back over the kingdom at which time order and fertility are restored uh and it seems like that's that's all of our journey to some extent with this king energy is the journey of of simba uh probably like there's a death of a father story like archetypal journey involved uh whether that's literal or who we think our father is like growing up, like the death of that hero realizing that they're human uh, is, is an interesting thing to reflect on. And then, you know, going on our own journey, uh, finding ourselves this Hakuna Matata mindset uh, where there is, there are no worries and not necessarily a King energy, but something that I think we often explore uh, in adolescence maybe we talked about that last episode this idea where we're um yeah just doing things that aren't productive in any sort of way and then journeying back to the kingdom so anyways the lion king just came to mind um where my mind goes from that is when i said that the the king is the one that i relate to directly the least i'm i'm wondering how much of that is related to power dynamics and you know being recognizing myself as you know what robert blyde describes as the soft man in iron john um you know, growing up with this uh I would say conscious desire not to dominate other people or not to try to, to control other people while at the same time, my, uh, there were shadow aspects to that of trying to do precisely that without explicitly doing it right. Like being manipulative, being underhanded. Um, but it's, it's interesting that the, the archetype of the king doesn't, it isn't actually about control. It isn't about exercising control over other people. You know, that it's, it's about there being order. It's about there being the ability to have things grow, you know, for, for a, a healthy ecosystem to, to develop. Um, I find that interesting that it's because the it's the shadow king like it's the it's the unrealized 
archetype that is focused on the control aspects, right? Yeah. Uh, to your point about Scar in The Lion King. Yes, in in uh, the book, something that r- stood out to me and will stick with me about King energy is it's it's the king does not desire to be seen but to do the seeing that the king's role the king's responsibility is to see the kingdom to see the people in the kingdom and to encourage and give gifts and be generative and and so when the king i mean we when we see in movies when we think about stories and the king is on this uh pedestal even it being carried by people a, a skewed view of that in a in a uh, a shadow king is desiring to be seen and and as they are carried through the kingdom that is what the fanfare is about is the king being seen uh, a, a king a, a healthy king like <laughs> not in the in the shadow side is doing the seeing and the elevation is not for the king himself but so that the king can see everybody not just the people on eye level so hmm. this elevation aspect of the king is not for the sake of the king but for the sake of the people and that's really important and it very easily gets skewed. And in fact, most stories with kings end where the king energy gets passed on to somebody else. Like the uh, the line in, in the book is, the king is dead, long live the king, which means that king, that person, that individual that was lifted on the pedestal was not actually the king. They were carrying an energy and long live that energy somebody else is going to take it and carry it on from here. So there there does come a time when when it's either physically the, like there's an ailment or psychologically the king embraces a shadow where that energy it, it moves on to somebody else and uh they're they are wanting to be seen and not be doing the seeing. But I that image now of a king being lifted up and carried through their kingdom is is completely different for me and and a healthy king is doing the seeing and able to see the kingdom fully and be generative with that seeing not be seen themselves i'm going to move on i think the next episode would be let's explore some of those shadows a bit more could we spend two episodes on king energy sounds great yeah sure okay let's do some ordering in this episode so at this point in the episode if you would like to listen to us chat about our packing list for colorado and do some ordering for uh a trek i've been calling it a trek i don't know is this a hike josh is there like what is a hike what's a trek what's an adventure how do we describe what we're doing uh in a way that i feel like a trek i feel like a trek is a good a good way to explain it it's it's a hybrid adventure with multiple forms of movement <laughs> <laughs> yes deal okay so uh, our track so yeah we've got a few details to hammer out and instead of not recording this i thought it would be fun to record us doing some ordering and, and embodying uh, a king energy or, or channeling king energy to get ourselves in order
Cool. Um, so I guess for people who don't know exactly what we're doing, so next week, Tony and Evan and our friend uh, Billy will be showing up to Colorado Springs. Well, fine into Denver, but um, we're trying to figure out all the logistics because we have three people coming from all over the place to um, figure this out. So a couple things that I'd love to tackle is one, just make sure I understand travel arrangements. And then two, make sure we're really solid on packing lists and let you know kind of the things that I'm covering um, in preparation uh, for us all being together. So Evan, I know that you're coming in early with Grace and Olive and then they're flying out on Thursday. That's right. Okay. So you know Thursday, uh, we're going to ask which day we're going to ask. Well, I was going to say what, what time is Grace, our Grace and uh, Olive heading out on Thursday? 6 a.m. their flight leaves. So yeah, we're staying at that Westin oh, cool. at the airport on Wednesday night. And we'll just, I think we just walk to the terminal from there. Is that yeah. right? And then yep. I'm going to go back to bed and wait at the hotel for you to pick me up later Thursday. Cool. Um, that's awesome. Um, Billy, I think, is still to be determined. He said he might fly into Denver Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So we still got to sort that out. Um, but whatever that looks like, Tony, my dad, and I will head up and pick you up in Denver, and then we'll head out to um, Buena Vista. I was thinking about this this morning. So I sent uh, Tony and Evan a text over the weekend about fabric to wear um, in the backcountry. And <clears throat> they call cotton like basically the killer of fabrics. And I don't think I explained that you also need to check your underwear for cotton um, <laughs> just to make sure that was <clears throat> known. So that is another thing. What temperatures are we dealing with? Um, when I was out there a couple of weeks ago at night, it got down to like upper 40s, lower 50s. And then during the day, we were 70 to 80. Um, it'll drop down pretty substantially, I'm assuming, up on top of Huron. So, I mean, being out there, we, we should plan for 40, 50 degree swings, potentially, um, just to be aware of that. So a couple of things on your guys's packing list or here i'm gonna go with things that i'll have for you and then we can go with what the delta is so i'll have uh water filtration i'll have food i'll have trekking poles i'll have tents i'll have like thermarest or like sleeping pads and then i'll have sleeping bags for everybody um so those are like the main lodging slash food items that i'll have things that oh i'll also have the satellite phone um i have enough headlamps for everybody but um i didn't know if you all had them so i can supply them i wasn't planning on it unless you all need me to and then um i'll have just like first aid kit emergency stuff um emergency blankets and bivvies um i think those are those are all the things that I will have before us. Things that you all need to bring are really just clothes. I Oh, I do have packs if you need me um, to supply those. So I have like eight to uh, 14 liter packs 
that should be sufficient um, for the two days. So the primary thing that you'll be carrying on you is emergency clothing and then food. And then I'll have the water filtering systems that, you know, you'll have maybe half liter to a liter of water on your person at any given point in time. And then we'll just filter water while we're, while we're moving. Clothing. Uh, this uh, may, may seem silly to go into this much detail, but yeah, socks, non-cotton yeah. socks. Yeah, I do. Uh, wool sock, like your good brands are like darn tough, smart wool. This isn't an ad for them, but maybe we should try and do ads for heck if they paid us i wouldn't complain (laughs) all right darn tough is sponsoring this uh (laughs) darn tough what was the other brand uh smart wool okay i'd bring at least two pairs of socks maybe three there's only one spot that i think your feet will for sure get wet um in a river crossing everything else was pretty stable um if there's you know lots of rain beforehand it might be flowing a little bit more um but i think we should be only one river crossing that i would imagine we'd get wet during i'm gonna bring one pair of shorts um rain pants um i do i have this like sun hoodie from patagonia that I bring two of them. I wear one during the day, the whole time, and one at night that I change into. And then I'll have a puffy that'll pack down, and then I'll have a rain jacket. So that's my clothing list. I normally do two pairs of underwear, so non-cotton do, underwear. Do you wear them at the same time? Um, no. Okay. Good question. Thank you. Typically, in the backcountry, you don't wear two pairs of underwear at the same time. You'll, you'd want, but in every every other day use, you do. <laughs> or at least I do. <laughs> so I'll just give you a rundown too, in just terms of. Or do you have any more questions on like packing list for you all? Or what else you would need to bring? Water bottle. Um. The filtration system is like integrated. So it's like a soft pouch with a water filter on top of it. So I'll have one of those, like a 0.6 liter for each of you. And then I'll carry um, some on top or another one just to have. Okay. So that's all we're going to be carrying in terms of water. Correct. At camp, I have like a big, um, you know, multi-gallon thing that we'll be able to rehydrate at night. but on our person, we'll only carry, you know, a small filtration. I did learn this. So when we were out there or when I was out there a couple of weeks ago, I met this dude who was um, doing the whole, well, he was doing half of the Continental Divide Trail. And he had this, uh, like, just like an old school water bottle. And we were like talking about gear and everything. And that was his like personal bidet. <laughs> so he was out there for multiple days. And he's like, yeah, man, I can't just not do that. So, you know, that's a good thing to have. I will have a bidet for all of you. We're not going to use the same bidet. Fantastic. How fancy. Don't, yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> it's not intended to be your water bottle for every other use. It's, it's, it's a single function item. I hope we don't have any stories of those getting mixed up. 
that would be unfortunate <laughs> but make all for right. a good story probably yeah do you all have headlamps or do you need me to get those for you i got i have a crappy one okay so i i feel like i just need to buy a new one anyways because we use the crappy one and every time i use it i'm like this is a crappy headlamp i'll do so. another plug I like the black diamond sprinters. Right. They're rechargeable, very lightweight, good lumens. So those are my preference. But other things I'll have on me while we're going, not necessarily for emergency or anything else, but Evan, you're bringing your camera and then I'll have a jet boil and some coffee because a mid-trek coffee break is quite nice. Nice. That sounds very good. Um, I think I already told you this, but other logistics. So I have the route all planned out. I'm using um, like a Garmin site. So I have everything mapped out in terms of if something were to happen, where our egress points are. And just my dad will have all those coordinates if in the event something were to happen. And I, I just push that out through the satellite phone. Your wives will also have all that information as well. So what the route is, what the egress points are. And then typically we'll, I, sometimes I'm cheap and I don't buy like the upgraded satellite package where you can just like text whatever you want from the satellite phone. And I, I come up with like a communication plan with Laura because I get three predefined text messages. Um, but for this situation, <laughs> we will just, I'll upgrade and we can send whatever text we need to, to your wives so that they like me still and aren't aren't angry with me um that'll be cool yeah that'll be it'll be fun <laughs> it'll be fun um and then i'm trying to think what else i would cover with you guys so thursday we'll head straight out um to a place near what's called twin lakes um so it's a little south of leadville which is kind of cool um leadville leadville's a really neat town and um for born to run um uh, it's a pretty special place. We will camp out Thursday night and then we'll boogie pretty early um, Friday morning. What do you mean? Um, what What is pretty early? That's to be determined. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I'm excited about it. It's great. So we'll have like, we'll have two different tent setups. So we'll have a larger tent that we'll sleep in. It's just a bit heavier that we won't use for packing in. Um, so we'll leave Thursday morning. We'll hop on the, um, what they call collegiate West. So it's part of the Colorado trail system. Um, but there's two, it, it kind of diverges and one goes around the West side of the collegiate peaks and one goes around the East side of the collegiate peaks. So we'll be taking collegiate West, um, and we'll cover about 20 miles. Um, day one, day one will basically culminate in a summit of Mount Huron. We'll head back down, hike another half mile, and then we'll have our camping site set up. So my dad will break down that tent system, and then we'll have some lighter weight, uh, like three two-man tents um, at the night two campsite. And then in that, or that next morning, we'll boogie again pretty early. We have about 19 miles, 20 miles to cover um, that day as well. Um, and so we get to go through this really cool pass past this alpine lake that's at like 12,000 feet um and then we'll drop into this valley down at like 10,000 feet and then we'll 
finish with a, a nice summit through what's called Cottonwood Pass. Um, and that's where we'll get picked up by my father and hopefully have a nice meal down in uh, Buena Vista. Sounds great. That meal it's is going to taste so good. It will taste good. <clears throat> it will taste very, very good. Oh, baby. Uh, and then Thursday night, I'm sorry, Sunday night, do I need to get a place to stay? Or well, you can do one of two things. I think, so Saturday night, I assumed we would just head back to um, Colorado that, Springs and stay there. Um, yep, yep. So you guys are all welcome there. And then Sunday, I think I'm taking everybody up to Denver to boogie. Yeah, great. All right. Tony, your flight's at 11? Something like that, yeah. Evan, what time's your flight? Give me one second. This is the most riveting podcast. Yeah. I, I would actually be really curious to listen to uh, something like this. And for people who do one of our unrationed events in the future, this is what that preparation will kind of look like as well. I'm flying out at 2.58 p.m. I thought my flight departs at 2.58. Okay, cool. Sweet. And then we just need to get Billy's itinerary coming inbound and outbound. That'll be good. I was thinking um, just for so my dad doesn't have to set up three tents and break everything down. He and I might drop you guys off at the night one campsite, head up to camp two and set at least one or two or three tents up um, just to have that prepped so that we can just show up and start cooking and go to bed early. Um, yeah. I'll have like the dinners and breakfast just so that our packs are light i'll make sure that um he's going to bring in the evening food and the morning food so that's you know two less items that each of us has to carry during it but i'm hoping packs are you know six to ten pounds nothing more than that nice all right the computer's gonna die in like 10 seconds i think so just so all right know. that wraps the episode Thanks for listening to the Unrationed <laughs> podcast. If you'd like to go on one of these treks with us one day, just head to unrationed.com. It's wildsandthewoods.com. And sign up for our email list. We don't have uh, any details about one of these available yet, uh, but we will send an email out when those details are available. Uh, so sign up for the email list and... Uh, Tony's also cranking out some blogs, so check out check out Tony's blog. It's it's the Wilds and the Woods blog, but you just most recently posted something. All right, we I that's oh. it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see you later. <laughs>